Hosting for two blokes talking tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for two blokes talking tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. About technology. Fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading Two Blokes Talking Tech with uh, Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick each and every week. Uh, thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. We'll tell you more about them later. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Trevor Long. You can find my gibberings at eftm.com.au. And my fellow host here at Two Blokes Talking Tech is the other bloke, Stephen Fennick. You can find him at techguide.com.au and on Twitter at Stephen Fennick with a PH. G'day, Stephen. G'day, Trevor. How are you going? Very, very well, mate. It's, uh, I'm prepared to say that this is one of the biggest and busiest shows in terms of news, in terms of output of technology discussion that we've had for some time. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It's been a big week in news, and we've got a lot to get through. And let's get cracking. Two blokes talking tech. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, aren't the world of internets in up in arms about the Australian government? The Australian government this week passed legislation um, comprehensively too with bipartisan support, um, uh, except for a few uh, nufties in, in the Senate that uh, didn't go for that way. So 37, th- 37 in the Senate is the way it went, which in a parliament that's had much trouble getting things through the Senate is a clear sign of bipartisan support, certainly among the big parties. Yeah. Um, And the legislation essentially says, in layman's terms, that a content uh, rights holder, so, um, you know, a big movie studio, can uh, make an application to the government, the courts in Australia, to block websites that are explicitly created to uh, further piracy. So uh, Pirate Bay, for example, is a a well-known one. Um, Its pretty much sole existence is to create torrent links for people to download illegal content. Um, It can be blocked. You know what? From my point of view, it's very simple. This yeah. whole thing, this whole debate is very simple. Good. Got no problem with that. It's illegal. The, the, the tip was in the headline. It's illegal content. So I don't know how anyone complain yeah. can complain about legislation that stops people getting it. But two problems. One, uh, illegal content will just move from site to site, domain to domain, IP to IP, server to server, and it will be like chasing down uh, the fastest criminal ever on the run because they will continue to move. Uh, there will need to be more applications made. There will be more sites blocked. And the second thing is that it doesn't stop piracy. There will still be a bunch of people who know how to use a VPN, know how to get around it, and will continue to pirate it, though yeah. I believe does serve as a pretty solid deterrent to a bunch of people who, yeah, probably err on the side of, yeah, don't want to do something illegal anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I think that, uh, look, the, the this has been coming for a long time. This bill was introduced a few months ago, uh, and the, the stance of this government has always been the fact that they want to stamp out piracy. They've always been on the side of rights holders. 
Um, and I myself have criticised that, that that stance by they should have been more on the side of the uh, of the viewers rather than the content rights holders. We might not have been in this predicament if they had have gone into bat for us four or five years ago. If if the Netflixes of the world and all these other services of the world had have been here sooner uh, and uh, with reasonable access cheaper pricing, you know, affordable, you know, in line with the rest of the world, then there may not have been a need to even set up this this law that's obviously divided a lot of people. There's, there's people on both sides of this um, that are seeing this, and you know, we're going to use the F word here, filter. This is uh, basically an internet filter that's going to say, right, you cannot visit this website. You're not allowed to in this free world that we live in. You can't go there. And a lot of people, are, 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 that's upset a lot of people because, yes, content, downloading illegal content is illegal and we're not condoning you stealing content. That is, it is wrong. But the consequences here could be that other sites are blocked that probably don't need to be blocked. There's been other little filter attempts in the past and they've a whole bunch of other sites have got caught up in it and it, it led to problems. So I think, look, this this is a really it's a symbolic law. I think there's the mums and dads out there who may download the odd torrent are probably not going to do it anymore because they they don't have the the nous to find those other sites. Yep. But then the government trying to block it, uh, you know, I, I described in a, a blog I wrote on Tech Guide. It's it's like that whack a mole game at the, at the carnival. Yes. You got your hammer and the mole sticks his head up in one hole and you knock him down, and then three others pop up in the other holes. As you knock one down, four or five others appear. And the internet is not sitting still for anyone, and this is another case where that's not going that it's going to be that it's just going to be a torrent of ra a raging river where one you knock one site down and ten others appear. By the time the government gets around to thinking, hang on, there's ten more. Well, let's kill them. Then another ten will appear, and and that's not even mentioning VPNs and how resourceful people can get around this anyway. How they are getting around this anyway. So how can they enforce it? Yes, it's a symbol that they, they want to stand up for the rights holders and stamp out piracy. They should have done that a lot longer, but been on the side of the people doing the pirating because we're not we're not burning discs and selling them at the markets here. We're downloading shows that we love, that we want access to, and if if you don't have a Foxtel subscription, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, tough luck. And that's where people are feeling that they've been that they haven't had a fair go at that content. I feel a massive sense of deja vu. We have discussed this many, many times. I don't believe it's the government's role to uh, go into bat for everyday people just because we're not getting access to a TV show. If, why, why, if the TV... They? Like they're they're, because, they're on the side because, of the rights mate, holders. Because the rights here. holder is the person who spent the money to make the show and is doing their best to sell they, it into a region and and capitalise on their investment. The government okay, well, can't say... Then? The government can't say to, to HBO, you have to make Game of Thrones available to every Australian for $2.99 for every episode from day one because the, game, the HBO will say, listen, stick that up your bum. We'll only make $500,000. We want to make $5 million. And they're, they're, it's, it's, a, it's a business. They're allowed to do but, that. Yeah. Well, you know, in any business, if there's supply and demand. And the demand now, is would not you agree, here. Would you, argue, would you argue with the fact that there's a lot of 
th- there's no argument that there's a lot of demand for certain content. Let's, let's not use enough Game, to Game justify. Of the, not enough. The example. There's not enough demand for Game of Thrones to justify HBO selling it direct to consumers in Australia before a pay TV window. Just not. Full stop. You remember when the pay TV window, they allowed uh, the iTunes next day download. That was, I think, a couple of years ago where Foxtel put an end to that. Because, so, because Foxtel was able to justify a business case to the rights holder that said, we can afford to do this. And the, and the rights holder went, that's good for us. We're getting a return on our investment. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. we're in this loop right now. That's, that's one part of the story. Now, the other part of the story I want to pick up on is, and you mentioned it briefly, this free internet now, I don't understand how people think that the internet is somehow a lawless world and a lawless no, no, society. I'm, I'm, no, but I'm people, not saying mate, that. No, I'm not you, but, but there lawless. are plenty of people out there who are saying this is, a, this is a slant against a free and open internet. Mate, I don't want a free and open internet. Mate, you can't walk into a video store or a news agency and buy an X-rated porno for a very good reason. We have restrictions. We have ratings. Yet on the internet... A kid can just search for stuff and find anything. So I'd actually yeah, prefer no. we were able to legislate the internet a bit better. No, I, no, I'm not. I'm not look, I, I agree with you there. With you know, there, there's certain things. There's law. There's laws, and I respect the law. And I, ha- I said at the top, I said we don't condone people stealing content. No, it, it's it's not on. But the the fact that the the government's going to decide where you can point your mouse now is. A lot of people are finding that a problem, and the 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 rights holders here, of course, they they're protecting their investments. And I'll sort of go back to what I said before: the rights holders, of course, the the objective for them is to make money with their content. Simple, plain, and simple. Yep. Now, the problem here we've got is that there's this great content. And all these customers that can't afford, for example, a Foxtel subscription, yep. but want to see a Game of Thrones episode, mm. but so that, that, that that's going to be, if you don't watch it that day, mm. don't get on Facebook or Twitter because they'll spoil it for you. There's going to be people who want to watch it straight away. But, okay, so let me, let me take you back to your market stall example. So... You know, Joe Bloggs uh, gets you know a copy of Game of Thrones. Uh, you know the 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 editions every week as they come out, and he puts them on a DVD and he sits in there at a market stall. It's illegal. It's illegal content. Uh, it's it's not legal to sell in this country. The the police can stop him. The the government can stop him selling those those things. Yeah. At a at a market stall. Why can't we be doing the same thing on the internet? Yeah, well, we are doing that on the internet. I just want to give you an example. Let's go. Let's fast forward a year. Let's let's go to 2016 mm. when Game of Thrones season six kicks off. Say April next year. Yeah. So you got Foxtel. Happy yeah. days. You can watch it at the same time as the US. Yep. If you don't have Foxtel, you cannot Tough. watch Game of Thrones until ten weeks later. Yeah. When the show has run its course, the the season has run its course. Now, what a, is it, what is a it massive fair, is it first fair world to those problem! People, what a massive who, first world it? problem! Well, yeah, I'm just saying there there needs to be a fairer go for your your average punter here who wants to enjoy a program, 
but can't afford 150 a month for Foxtel. Mate, I used to have to sit and watch Seinfeld a week after it was on air. I mean, you know, life <laughs> goes on. I mean, Jesus, the world doesn't end. Mate, if there's enough market, you talked about supply and demand. Let me put this challenge out to the, let's call them 50 or 100,000, or if there's a million of you, good luck. Game of Thrones fans who don't want to have Foxtel or don't have Foxtel, because they're, they're two different types of people. Start a Kickstarter fund for a an Australian rights to Game of Thrones. See how much money you can raise. If you can raise enough money to outbid Foxtel for those rights, good luck to you. There you've yeah. created supply and demand. There you've made the, the point to HBO. If you yeah. can't do that, you can't complain. Oh. No, look, I'm just thinking that there's there's something missing in the middle. There needs to be something yeah, in the middle. Demand. That gives people access to, to those shows a couple of days later, three yeah. days later, a I'll week you, later. I'll tell you what's missing. But a rather than waiting ticket. 10 weeks to no. watch Game of Thrones, if you don't have Foxtel, that's that's a long time. It's two, that's two and a half months people are going to have to not look at Facebook because the whole season is going to be spoiled for them. Dry your eyes, princess, is what I say to those people, and get on a plane and live somewhere that's You're obviously available. not a Game of Thrones fan. I know that no. for a fact. You don't watch Game of Thrones. No. I am a Game of Thrones fan, and all the listeners, anyone listening to the program, our, we love to hear from you on this too. So Ziggy Zaggy, hashtag Ziggy Zaggy, on, on, at, at Stephen Fennec, at Trevor Long, tell us what you think, Game of Thrones fans. I know there's a lot of you out there. Trevor, unfortunately, is not one of them. Mm. And now there's other other programs starting, like True Detective, I think, is on now. Not quite in the same league as Game of Thrones, but we I use Game of Thrones as the example because it's been identified as the most pirated program, totally. and Aussie's at the top of the list. And and let so, me let me let me share my frustration about because I don't want people to think that I just because of Game of Thrones I don't care. Twenty four Jack Bauer, my, easily my wife and I's favourite yeah. show uh, of many years. And for, there was a couple of seasons where it wasn't available on free-to-air um, or, or it was delayed by forever. Yeah, it was now, delayed by a couple of months, yeah. That was frustrating to us. Very frustrating. Yeah, but you, but, but how long ago was that, mate? You're talking 10 years ago. No, I'm not. You're I'm talking, talking, I'm talking, talking within the last five years. 2003, Facebook wasn't um, even, no. didn't even exist. I'm talking within and, the last five years. I'm talking recently. It doesn't matter. My point is that it doesn't matter if it's Game of Thrones or something else. The fact is... If the demand, what I came to realize as a fan of 24 was that it was not on television because there was not enough people who wanted to watch it. So it was not commercially viable. So if the rights holders can make a commercial case for it, then it'll get sold. If they can't, if but there's still enough demand for it, it will be made available, digital download. The fact is, Game of Thrones is the biggest beat up in the history of Australian content <laughs> because, mate... Two hundred and fifty. You're going to get a lot of angry Game of Thrones fans here, mate. Don't give a shit. Two hundred and fifty thousand <laughs> people watch Game of Thrones on on Foxtel. Let's call it three hundred thousand with you know, the catch why? up here. Because there were five million downloading the torrent, mate. No, that's <laughs> why. There, there wasn't. There's no proof of that. It's like saying there's two hundred thousand Netflix subscribers before they launched here. It's just smoke and mirrors numbers. If there was demand, trust me the big networks would be showing it and they'd have it on the television live, free-to-air, with ads. Um, well, if there was a commercial Pirate case Bay is gonna, and all these torrent sites are going to get shut down, you don't think there's going to be demand for it now? <laughs> Accessing it legally? And people will be... I'd bet my bottom dollar that 95% of those people would be happy to pay for it if they could. Yeah, so get Foxtel. But, well, Foxtel might be out of the budget for them, mate. 
and so, and that means and that's that's disappointing. I'm, I'm I feel sorry for those people. Wait ten weeks and you'll be able to watch the whole bloody thing. Because on, on uh, in the US, and haven't they launched the HBO streaming on Apple TV? Uh, yeah, fifteen dollars a month. They get it. There's three hundred million people in the United States, which mm-hmm. means it's very easy to make a case for a you know one dollar a month cut off the HBO amount yeah. that goes in, and it becomes a very good business case. There's twenty three million is, though, people if in there Australia. There was a service like that in Australia. It would fail. HBO, let's use HBO as an it example. Would, it would fail. True Detective, all these good shows, Veep, all these great shows, Silicon Valley, mm. all HBO programs. People would pay twenty bucks a month for that. Yeah, and they wouldn't make enough They'd money to justify it. They wouldn't make enough well, money. It's a, it's a it's a that's the middle ground that I'm feeling's missing here. That's Absolutely. the middle ground that's that's gone. Like you know, Stan and Presto and Netflix are fantastic. Like I'm watching Orange is the New Black now. Uh, that, that's that's one of the that's a Showtime program. That's uh, and it's a Netflix original program, I should say. And that that's I'm watching it at the same time as the US because yeah. I've got Netflix. Yeah. So Netflix have made a case for there being. A, a reason to open up here in Australia, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. They've, they've got a lot of customers here already. Well, what's to stop HBO and these other people with these fantastic programming doing the same? The business case. It's 23 million people in Australia. Yeah. If if Even if 200,000 of them signed up and paid enough to HBO to make it work, it wouldn't make it work across the number of shows they've got and the ability for them to make that money back well, via I'd pay put, TV I'd put to and you, free-to-air There'd networks. be more than 200,000 people that watch Game of Thrones there is. on the torrents every week in Australia. Can't be confirmed. I, I, I absolutely would be certain of that. That What, what, was, the, what was the rating? The, the ratings for uh, in Foxtel of 250,000? Let's call it 300,000. Um, that it watched 300. it live? Two hundred fifty thousand watch it live, and well, and that's not counting the people who, like myself, would watch it later on yeah, off so the that's DVR. Why. Let's, let's call it three hundred thousand later. Let's call it three hundred thousand. Okay, I reckon more. Okay, four hundred. I think there'd be more people on the torrents downloading that program that would have that would beat the Foxtel ratings. I reckon double the Foxtel ratings. Not on your life. Not well, a chance. You tell us, people. Anyone listening who's a Game of Thrones fan, we want to hear from you. Hashtag Ziggy Zaggy on Twitter, at Stephen Fennec, at Trevor Long. And that... on hashtag GOT, so we know what you're talking about. So I think that you're going to be surprised. I think that if we got, if I get 400,000 tweets, I'd be very surprised and very excited. <laughs> but... You might not, but I think it's a good indicator of just how many people watch this show. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Two blokes talking check. I can't wait for the tweets. Now, interesting uh, little, some interesting stats re- revealed by Roy Morgan Research. Now, I've always said we're, we're a real, real mobile society. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, the, the number of smartphones. We are second in the world for smartphone penetration behind Singapore, would you believe? Way ahead of the US, way ahead of the UK. We are, we love our mobile devices. They're not just uh, smartphones, of course, but also tablets. We're right into them. And so far, in fact, that two of the most popular internet destinations, Facebook and YouTube, are accessed more, more on a mobile device than they are on a PC. Now, these these stats showed that uh, Facebook, for example, had almost 13 million users 
across a four week period in the in the twelve months leading to uh, into March twenty fifteen, and that's ten percent up. So more people, but the number of people using a mobile device is sixty eight percent. So smartphone or tablet, uh, that that's compared to forty five percent two years ago. So it just goes to show how far we've come. Where we're, we're getting uh, we're accessing more content on our devices and our tablets as well. Uh, YouTube is another example where the number of people, it's now more than half access YouTube on the go. And I think there's a correlation here between the number of the, the amount of data that is now being included in plans. We've, remember like two or three years ago, you if you had a gig, you'd think, well, you'll never use that. People use a gig in a day now. Yeah. So we are using more data on the go. We are, and it's not, you know, this is good data and good stats. You can read it at techguide.com.au about Facebook and YouTube, but this is this is becoming uh, a really important thing for all websites, and this is proven by Google updating their, their algorithm to, you know, basically disadvantage sites that weren't customized and, and, and built ready for mobile access. And don't you think that's, Stephen, that's just another example of how, you know, you have to be ready for mobile, and Facebook and YouTube are probably some of the best at doing that, and that's why we've all got to be ready for it. Absolutely right. Yeah, I think uh, it, this this sort of this is the message that that even businesses, small businesses, are receiving to anyone with an internet presence. They really need to optimize for mobile, and that well, I've done that. EFTM's done that. Tech Guide's done that. You're mad if you don't. I look at my stats every day. I think 66% of my hits on my site come from a mobile device, whether it be a, a smartphone or a tablet. So a lot of people are looking at, at, at our, our stuff on the go. So if you don't optimize for the mobile platform, you've got rocks in your heads. Same thing for businesses, especially businesses that, that use their sites to make money. Uh, you know, if, if they're not optimized for mobile, they've got to get optimized for mobile. Google have made, they've gone to the trouble of, you mentioned the algorithms change. If you're not on board, you're going to miss out. So uh, it's, it's only, this isn't going to, this market isn't going to shrink. It's only going to get even bigger. Absolutely. And uh, you can read that uh, data and those stats at techguide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennig. This could easily be the longest podcast we've ever done, just the way, the way we're tracking. <laughs> um, we haven't even got to the midway, and we've still got a massive story here. Um, you know, Monday night was an interesting night. Taylor Swift came out and, uh, and wrote a blog post that uh, was a dear, uh, dear Apple, dear John letter, if you like. And. Um, and it was very interesting to me. I, I really enjoyed reading this. I have absolutely no knowledge of Taylor Swift. I really have no understanding of who she is or what she does. But I know she's <laughs> a massive star, right? And I know that last year she she withdrew her music from Spotify, and that had a big impact on on the kind of story of Spotify because she didn't feel that there was the you know the right deal for for artists in the way they were they were yep. remunerating artists. And for, so for her to come out and say things like, um, "I'm sure you're aware that Apple's offering a three month trial." But I'm not sure you know that Apple won't be paying writers, producers, and artists for those three months. She said things like, I find it shocking, disappointing, and unlike this historically progressive and generous company. And then she says, look, I think it's great what Apple's doing, but if you if you can't pay the three-month trial, I'm out. And she basically said, my album will not be on Apple Music. And she said, look, I can support myself. I play live shows and make plenty of money there, mm -hmm. and that's how she supports yeah. her band and crew and everyone. And this was a big deal for me. And I, I initially went straight off and said, look, I think Apple needs to jump straight in here and make this a loss leader, pay the money and, and just please her and please, please her fans. There's millions of them. 
And mate, didn't you think it was stunning in terms of the way any company up, up, operates, let alone Apple, that within yep. 18 hours, Eddie Q was on Twitter saying, we're in, we, we will yep. pay. We're going to pay the ransom. <laughs> I think it was even shorter. I think it was like 16, 15 or 16 yeah. hours, I heard. But you've got to wonder, though, what would have happened? Would, would Apple have changed their mind if Taylor Swift hadn't have written that letter? Now, there were complaints before this uh, from some uh, independent artists who had read the terms and conditions of Apple Music. And look, they're, they're looking forward to the biggest company in the world, one of the richest companies in the world, providing a streaming music service. They're thinking their Christmases have all come at once. Mm. They look at the terms and conditions and think, we're not getting paid for a quarter of a year. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? Now, that was, a, that was a good week before Taylor Swift even opened her mouth. Mm. Once she wrote this letter, and she's, look, arguably, I, don't know, I know you don't know who Taylor Swift is, but I've got a little bit of an idea who she is, a better idea. She's one of the biggest recording artists on the planet, and she carries with her a bit of clout. And that, that letter was very well written. It was a lot of backhanded compliments there, you know, saying, look, Apple, uh, it was like the, the, the speech in Julius Caesar that Mark Anthony gives you the, gives it the, at the end of the play there, you know, where, you know, where the friends, Romans, countrymen speech, if you read that, you get a lot of backhanded compliments here saying, look, Apple, you're so innovative and you, you know, you're such a generous company, but how the hell can you, can these artists survive not getting paid for three months? Hmm. So I really like the line here she's, where she says, look, we don't ask you for free iPhones, <laughs> so why should you get all this music for free? Now, this this really I, I didn't know this this was in the terms and conditions of Apple Music until she brought it up. So for it brought that to the, everyone's attention, uh, much to Apple's embarrassment, I have to say. And now the richest company in the world, they're one of the richest companies in the world. It would have been a really bad look if that had gone on, where artists who were struggling to pay the rent but Apple are happily streaming their music to all their millions of customers. Mm. If they didn't pay them during that period, they can afford it. It's not a problem for them to do it. So I think sanity's prevailed, but Taylor Swift, if she hadn't have put pen to paper there, I still wonder whether Apple would have come, would have, would have backflipped. I'm calling it the Taylor Swift clause. I really don't think that they would have. I think that what's interesting to me is that, uh, A, we haven't actually confirmed that her music's going to be there, to be clear. I think that'll be an announcement that they'll make together at some point in the days leading up to the launch next week. But um, I think that's critical. And also, for me, it's critical now to find out what other music won't be there. You know, for me... The, this this is a big deal for Apple Music because it means they're, they're 10 steps ahead of Spotify because they've got Taylor Swift. If they can get yeah. the Beatles onto Apple Music, I think we're talking real time. Do you know what I mean? This is yeah. this is the next next holy grail. But Well, I think what, what, what I've read, I, I think that the streaming music services, I think is going to offer, the, the figure I heard was about 26 million songs or 30 mm. million tracks, mm. Which isn't the entire. No. I, I understand that there's about forty-five million, million. tracks. So it's a big gap. ITunes. It's a big gap. But that's a lot that's not going to be there. And like you talk about the Beatles, uh, I'm not sure whether ACDC is going to be there either. No, I doubt so it. So a lot of companies that were quite resistant to the the whole digital move, like the Beatles. I can remember in 2010 when they first came on, that was massive that they were on there. Mm. Um, ACDC, I think they they went on in 2012. I think they they jumped on. So. Taylor Swift, is, is her album going to be there? It, they'll still be, of course, available in the regular iTunes where you've got to pay to own, so download to own. And that's what's, let's face it, that's what's made Taylor Swift rich. She's, her music's gone gangbusters on iTunes, so she's counting the dollars. Uh, uh, just a little interesting side note on the Taylor Swift story. 
a lot of people, uh, photographers especially. I don't oh, know what this about story. this? This is huge. A lot, of, a lot of concert photographers are calling her a little bit of a hypocrite because there's a clause that anyone who takes photographs at her concert, these are professional photographers, they don't own their fo- their own photographs. She can use them for free in her marketing material. So that I find I found that a little bit funny that uh, she's gone hard out this way, but yet she's doing the same thing herself when it comes to music photographers. Yeah, I I think that one needs to get a bit more traction because it is a very good point that she's trying to literally change the way that photographers use their work. They would normally license out their work, and they're not able to do that after they've after they've shot, shot the uh, concert. So a little bit of response required there from Ms. Swift. Or Tay Tay, as some refer to her, but uh, anyway, interesting times. <laughs> I don't think anyone, no one refers to her as Tay Tay. Oh, okay, I just made that up. Okay, Ziggy Zaggy hashtag. If anyone has ever referred to her as Tay Tay, just to make me feel better. Uh, you're listening to Two Bucks Talking Tech, uh, episode 214, and uh, you can join us on Twitter anytime at Trevor Long and at Stephen Fennick. And we do it each and every week. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au, and you should check out their Arlo range of smart uh, security cameras that are 100% wire-free. So you can place your Arlo cameras absolutely anywhere. No cords means no limits on how or where you use them. It's HD quality. It's weatherproof, so you can place them outdoors without any second thought. Wet, dry, hot, cold, doesn't matter. They're designed to up, up, up work in up to... 50 degrees Celsius and minus 10. So take them down the snow if you've got a, if you've got a chateau. Uh, everything's uploaded to the cloud with seven uh, days of free recordings. You can upgrade to have more. Night vision, motion alerts, they are so easy to use. The, you get the vision on your app or on your email. You get alerts all the way you need them. Unbelievable bit of technology. Uh, great stuff from Netgear. We've got them. We love them. And uh, you can too. Just check them out at netgear.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. So, I got a tweet today, Stephen, from a bloke who listened to me on Your Tech Life ranting about these similar topics that we're talking about here, but it's it's much more engaging when it's the two of us. But he suggested that I was on a rather tall, high horse this week, and one of the reasons was my concern over some research that was released this week by Roy Morgan. Uh, Roy Morgan Research, highly respectable um, uh, research company, um, put out some research basically saying that uh, 1.039 million Australians have Netflix. Um, and, you know, Presto and Stan had 97 and 91,000 between them, or uh, each, uh, respectively. And um, that's a tenfold uh, difference between what Netflix have, what Presto have, and what Stan have. They then talked about the number of households that had uh, Netflix, and it was something like 400 and something thousand. But my biggest problem with this whole thing was Roy Morgan, fair income, cracking jokes, because they've said in their release, officially, there are 1.39 million Australians subscribed to Netflix. What an absolute crock of shit. I mean... There's no way 1. that's official. Oh, three, not, yeah, one, one Doesn't matter. Point, oh, three, not, they, yep. they can't say it's official. They did. A, they did a survey. I mean, Grant Denyer should be reading these results out. The survey says. <laughs> I mean, they surveyed two thousand and eighty-eight people. Statistically, there's some really good stuff in here, and this is why I think it's a bit of a joke that a bunch of people reported this as being Netflix got a million subscribers. It's it's statistically very interesting that they say there's four hundred thousand households. Um, that you know, Presto and Stan might have around a hundred thousand, because that to me is a much more interesting number. Because mate, there's no way of knowing 
with the question yeah. they ask, which is, you know, does your household have any of these services? There's no way of knowing whether they have them, have them, um, are paying for them, yeah. are non-subscribers, are in the free trial, are confused because Netflix. Every like I've had people refer to Stan as Netflix because it's just the the, the name people <laughs> use for these services. Yeah, it's like a, a, every MP3 player is an iPod. That's yeah, right. Stan. So I, look, bottom but, line, I have, and I'll be, let me be very clear: Netflix is by far and away the number one streaming uh, SVODs provider in the country, by far and away, and it's also the best. It's also available on the most devices. But if anyone really believes that they have 10 times the number of subscribers to Presto or Stan, they're kidding. Stan, I, yeah. I would put at around 100, 150,000 probably. Um, Netflix, yeah. I, I would put at four to 450. That's, that's what I think mm. the numbers are. So they, are they? So these numbers are, are these viewers or subscribers? Because you know, exactly. You, on Netflix, you have multiple Netflix, accounts. You can have there's four people can watch one. That's can right. Watch one. So are they counting all four of those people? They're not asking the those questions, is? mate. They're not asking those questions. They're yeah, just right. saying how many people live well, in the house. Five. Oh, that's five. You can't deny then. though. You can't deny though. Netflix, in terms of brand recognition. Even before they launched here, they were totally. a brand. So no. there's no there's no arguing that they're way out in front. But again, dig into the story but here, you're right? You're questioning the fact whether they're 10 times out in front Correct. or five or six times out in front. Dig into the story, people. Stop reporting a, a press release here. The, the story here is Netflix has got 400 and something thousand households. That's a pretty good result. But if you also believe the story that there were 200,000 people, households that had Netflix before they launched here, it means they've only gained 200,000 which is nowhere near as good as one might have assumed, perhaps. So I find we, that we, to be very based on based on the Roy Morgan research, where they said they surveyed 2,000 people. Yeah, they, they surveyed so the, 2,000 people. Anyway, I, for yeah. fun, and shall we call it chits and giggles, I have created a survey <laughs> that I am encouraging people to take. Whether you've ever tried a streaming service or not, the links to it are on my website. I would love to have your, your feedback. I've had several hundred people fill it in. It's very interesting, the statistics. I will publish them myself, and I shall make my own assumptions as to the size of the Netflix audience just for so This will be the, the two blokes or the EFTM mm. survey. That's correct. So the stuff for Roy Morgan, you're saying? You're going to go on. EFTM survey. That's it. That's it. I've, I've literally, <laughs> that's exactly, as I went to bed last night, I thought, bugger it, that's what I'm going to do. And I did. Um, because I, I and genuinely, uh, I'm not taking I mean, I, I have no doubt about the statistical val validity of the Roy Morgan data. I just think that the way they've extrapolated is just taking the mickey a little. So what I want to see is, is better questions. And what I want to force out of, you know, the Roy Morgans of the world here are better questions in this survey. So here's what I've done just in summary because we, we've got to move on. But I'm saying what is um, – what I, have you tried them firstly? If not, are you planning to? If you are, then when? Uh, if you've tried them, what have you tried? Uh, also, are you have you ever paid for one? Which one did you pay for? Are you still paying for one? And then, you know, it's basic questions like that that'll get a really interesting uh, output of, you know, what people are actually doing. I could tell you right now, mate, that the data is is exactly as I expected it would be. Netflix is, is number one. It's not number one by tenfold. Um, yeah. and, and that's, that to me is the kicker. I, I, as the responses come in, you see some really interesting data about what people are actually doing and the fact that some people are, did pay and aren't anymore. So there's definitely churn occurring mate, even in these services. I'll, I'll add one last thing, mate. If Netflix had Game of Thrones, they would be 10 times out in front. I'll tell you that. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, Stephen. <laughs>
He's done it again. Ziggy Zaggy on Twitter. Hit us up. Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. Mate, have you ever heard that song? It's, a, it's an older song now. The future's so bright, I've got to wear shades. Have you actually heard that <laughs> song? I know you've got a very limited musical background. Uh, have you ever heard that song, Trevor? I, I, sing it to me, Steve. <laughs> it is a song. Sing the future's it. so bright, I've got to wear shades. While I'm talking, you might be able to dig it up and maybe play a little bit of it. Okay. But while you're doing that, I need to talk about, uh, there, there is a reason why I'm talking about that song, is about a pair of sunglasses that have got a little bit of tech built into them. Uh, they're Scuga, the dynamic eyewear, that actually have adjustable tint control. So you've heard of, you've got all your smart devices, your smartphones, your smart cars, your smart shoes, everything smart, smart homes, smart glasses now. Uh, this is a, a Kickstarter program, Kickstarter project. And what it allows you to do, it allows you to adjust the shades either automatically, so there's a tiny little light sensor, so an ambient mm. light sensor, or you can manually set the tint, the tint level with an app. Via Bluetooth. <laughs> now, just a little bit of an explanation here. The, the unlike normal like photochromatic lenses, you know those lenses when there's a high UV exposure, they go dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, there's glasses that do that already. This is different because this could be adjusted to the brightness of the light. So if, the, if there's a bright light, if it's glary, uh, it might not be high UV exposure, but it can it can adjust it for the light, the strength of the light coming in. So it's a little bit like the, the tint on your car. It sort of keeps the brightness out of the car as well. So the, the, these are available through the Kickstarter program. There's there's a built-in, there's Bluetooth built-in, and there's no, it looks like any other pair of sunnies. There's no ports or buttons on it. And to charge it, there's like a little induction, uh, induction, induction point on the right arm of the glasses. So there's a little thing that clips on the right arm, can charge it through USB. Mm. There's also going to be a, a like a, a, a like like a lampshade base type charging stand as well, where you can, you can sit it on there as well. Several different styles and colours, but a uh, a neat little product, uh, and you can check it out at the Kickstarter link that I've put on Tech Guide. So, if you do want to adjust the tint, if you want to take control of the Sunnies like your other devices with an app, this is the one to do it. The Scuga Dynamic Eyewear. <laughs> you found it. <laughs> I don't know the song, so I don't know I when the lyrics come in. Science, I love my classes. I've got a crazy teacher who wears dark glasses. Things are going great. And they're only getting better. <laughs> Coming up. I'm doing all right. Getting good grades. The future's so bright. I've got to wear shades. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've hit an all-time high and low tonight. Uh, I give you Timbuk3, The Future's So Bright. I highly encourage you to listen to the whole song on YouTube. The film clip, um, I can't even begin to describe to you, but uh, it's uh, tragic. Uh, you're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, uh, oh, geez, what about the added value we're giving this week? I mean, it's just huge. 
Uh, before we get to your minute review, Stephen, <laughs> um, the, uh, the MacBook, uh, the new MacBook, the 12-inch MacBook, um, I grabbed a couple of uh, really cool accessories. Now, I was thinking about this. I mean, this is a device that's, you know, you're shelling at 1800 bucks at the base level, so people are probably paying a lot more than that. Um, and it's thin, it's light, it's, it's, it's liable to have a lot of things happen to it. And, you know, I was thinking about my MacBook Air and how it's, it's still in great condition, except it's got a few bumps and, and grazes on it. Moshi have got a range of great products um, for all parts of the thing. So first and foremost, they've got a keyboard cover called the Clear Guard. Now, I found this a bit, bit obscure because the keyboard is already so different and so, so thin. So this is a clear uh, plastic cover, essentially, but it's not a, a slippery, disgusting plastic that sits and sticks onto the keyboard very easily and basically it's there to, to stop you know your breadcrumbs and food crumbs and accidental yeah. spills getting into the keyboard excellent little protection that you get the second one is a, a uh, like a hard shell uh the, the kind of thing we put on our our smartphones without any um any uh, you know th- second thought um great little thing to to cover up both the top and bottom of the um uh, of the case of, of the actual device so a clip on yeah. clip on hard shell uh, that works really well to literally keep the, the actual MacBook in, in original condition. Mate, you know the screen on this thing is is impressive. It's bright. It's beautiful. Yeah. I took this thing called the iVisor out of the package. You would have seen these for other devices. And mm-hmm. I looked at it and went, you can't see through it. But I stuck it on the <laughs> screen and it's actually brilliant because it dulls out any glare. So the glare is kind of diffused across the screen, yet you can still see perfectly well through it. It's nowhere near as, as, as vibrant as it was without the screen protector on it. But, you know, again, protection from the screen saves. That's a good idea because a lot of people, because they're so light and portable, a lot of people use these out and about in bright sunlight. That's right. And that can be an issue if you've got a bit of glare, a bit of reflection on the screen. So that that's a great idea having the visor on there. Yep. And the last one was the Muse. It's one of those uh, folios, you know, nice little uh, slide-in uh, uh, carry case because, again, you carry it around, you drop it. At least you want a little bit of protection. So... Uh, four pretty cool products. Uh, I, I don't recommend you have to get all of them, but between them, I would have thought that the very least the uh, the the eye glaze and the and the clear guard for the keyboard and the yeah. and, and the shell itself very cool products. They're available now at Moshi. Um, check them out. Uh, full links and and all pictures and things at eftm.com.au. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. All right. Well, Stephen's minute reviews this week uh, contain. Just riveting products, unbelievable. I mean, we've been this. You thought the rest of the show was unbelievable. This is it. <laughs> the first one, Stephen. Um, you went to a roller derby. That's correct. Yes, the uh, the roller derby at the Roundhouse at the uh, University of New South Wales, to be to be precise, and it was to launch the new UE Roll. And UE, as we know, is short for Ultimate Ears. We've also already seen the UE Boom and the UE Mega Boom. They are the go-anywhere social speakers that are water-resistant, waterproof, made of life-proof material, so they're not going to stain and and uh, and look any uh, look dirty. But the UE Roll is uh, is a, a similar product, a, a cousin, a distant cousin of the UE Boom. Uh, the reason it's called a Roll because it is circular. It is a circular speaker, thirteen and a half centimeters in diameter. Uh, it's th- 
140 grams, so it's designed to take anywhere. Uh, it, it is waterproof as well. It's got IPX7 certification and covered in that same stain-resistant material as its other boom and mega boom cousins. Uh, the signature plus and minus volume controls are also on the front and, of course, a number of really spectacular designs and colours. But on the audio side, UE have maintained the quality. In fact, you would think you're listening to a larger speaker like this speaker literally fits in the palm of your hand. You can fit your fingers around it, but it does have a very large sound. On the back is a bungee cord that clips to the edge of the speaker, so you can strap it to a backpack, to your clothes, wherever you want. And when you unclip that bungee cord, it becomes a handle, so you can carry it around really easily. Uh, it is uh, available now. These are priced at $149.95, and it also comes with its own companion app, so you can put two UE rolls together so you can double up, have twice the volume. There's also equalizers on that app as well, and that app is available for iOS and Android. So the UE roll, great sound from a small device, $149.95. Check it out, techguard.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Jeez, I'd love to have control of my home. Oh, this doesn't control my kids. Um, no. not what I want there. That'll be the Control 5. <laughs> At the moment, we'll talk about the Control 4. So <laughs> this is a product that can become the brains of your smart home. We have everyone talks about having a smart home, but the smart home's only as smart as the control that runs the whole show. Now, Control 4 is a company that makes a range of controllers to suit the size of the smartphone that you, the, the, the size of the smarts you want to create, whether it's a room, a couple of rooms, or your entire house. So they've got a number of controllers. The, the, at the top of the line, they've got the HC800 controller. And for a more of a single room setup, I've got actually this in the Tech Guide Home Theater. The HC250 is, uh, controls that entire room. So it can control the lighting, the equipment, the curtains, you name it, anything you want to automate in that room, the audio, it does it all. But for in terms of controlling everything around the house, you've of course you can control your home theatre, multi-room audio, but also things like your security. Your, your, your surveillance cameras can be piped in. Your thermostats or all your comfort control, so your air conditioners, your, even your window shades and your blinds, the pool filter, the pool spa, uh, your, your, your smart locks. So all these products that all – and this the Control 4 systems work with all types of brands. So any brand that offers these kind of products that can be linked into this Control 4 platform, then – are uh, all controllable through one remote or if, if you can use the smartphone app or the desktop app or the tablet app. And even if you're not in your home, you can control it from anywhere. You've got an internet connection. So you can check in on your security. You can open the lock for your child who may have forgotten their key and has come home from school rather than you having to drive around with a set of keys. You can check your surveillance cameras. You can control your lighting. You can even set up scenarios where the lights turn on and off to, to make give people the impression that you're still home, even though you may be enjoying a holiday somewhere. So... Smart, having a smartphone is a smart home is one thing, but having the brains to control it, and that's exactly what Control 4 offers. The uh, You can find out more information from one of the distributors is Suite Control, as in a, a, a hotel suite, S-U-I-T-E, suitecontrol.com.au. Check it out, the full uh, full information and range, uh, techguide.com.au. Well, an action-packed value added. I mean, we have given you value for money tonight. 
Uh, while we're talking about that, um, we haven't been receiving your money. I don't know what's going on, but um, I haven't had any money come in. So what, what's happening, people? No, we're just joking. It's free. It's free for you. Uh, we enjoy your company here on the show, but even though you're not here with us, uh, it's okay. We enjoy your company. Uh, and it's great when you get in touch on Twitter. Uh, Stephen is at Stephen Fennick with a PH, and I am at Trevor Long, and you can tweet us about anything in the show. Just use the hashtag Ziggy Zaggy Stephen. Uh, we'll talk again next week. Yes, we will, Trevor. I think that was uh, one of the more controversial and more entertaining shows, I have to say, that we've done for quite a while. Talk to you next week, mate.